If you're not wearing sunscreen every day, don't waste your money on cosmetic procedures. You have to protect that investment. I tell patients, there's nothing that I can do to you that's stronger than what the sun can do. So if you don't protect your skin, uh, you're wasting your money. I really don't expect people to be vampires, only go out at night, you know, completely cover themselves. You have to live your life. You have to be reasonable. But I'm very cautious about protecting my face because the majority of skin cancer surgeries that I do are on the face. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Welcome back to another episode of The Selfie Show. Where we are bringing you the weekly dose of sweet and salty. I am Tori, the founder and now co-host of The Selfie Show. I am a nurse, blogger, and podcaster. And sitting across from me is my very skin, sultry, salty co-host. Masculine. (laughs) Masculine. We'll get into that. (laughs) And I am Sam. I am a flight nurse, college professor, podcaster, powerlifter, and co-host of The Selfie Show. And today we are talking off the clock about something I have been wanting to do since I first joined as co-host, skincare with a dermatologist. Mm -hmm. Thank you. This is all of the things today, you guys. Oh, this is such a good episode. So many tips, so many tricks, all of the insider deets. Literally headed to Target after this to buy everything we talked about Mm -hmm. today. And don't worry, we have linked in the show notes all of his suggestions. You guys, it's such a good (laughs) chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Love this. Okay, Samantha, should we do our tips of the week? Yeah, do them. Okay. Mine this week is a Netflix. <laughs> shocker, shocker. Wow, so surprised. Wow. Okay, so uh, mine this week, it's not really new news, but Outer Banks, you guys. It's so good. I'm obsessed. Okay, I've heard of it. I have no idea what it's about. Okay, so essentially it's set in the coastal town along the Outer Banks of North Carolina, which, I don't know, it's just, it's actually, it's a beautiful setting. Let me just say that. Um, But so basically it's kind of based on this social divide between wealthy residents and like working class locals so you've got the kooks and the pogues right like is this, this like is the oc it. but in north carolina kind of no okay, no, no it gives me almost uh what was that show bloodline kind of bloodline I mean, did you see that okay mm-hmm. anyway so it follows the group of pogues like these young teenagers and they're on this this mission to find treasure that the main character John B, who is adorable, love me some John B. Is this set in like current, like two set in current times? Okay, set in current times, and they discover this legendary treasure, and it's like a, about it's a lot of conflict between teens and this isn't the Goonies, upper class, lower class. <laughs> <laughs> Because it sounds to me like you're describing the Goonies. Kind of. I don't know. But it's it's really good because it's like love, fighting, friendship, money, like all of these big concepts. And it's just so fun. It's a great show. Some of it's a little out there, like outlandish, like these things that happen to them are like a little crazy. And you're just like, this is over the top. But it's really good. It's a really, really good show. Highly recommend for you guys. Definitely check out Outer Banks for sure. All right, Sam, what is your tip of the week? Well, my tip of the week is if I'm too much for you, go find less. Mm. I also saw this nicely worded like another way, like a couple weeks ago that I'm not going to water myself down for you. You can choke. (laughs) (laughs) That's on brand. That's on brand. brand. Um, I mean, we obviously we dropped the single girl, married girl life tip and replaced it with unpopular opinions, which I don't regret because I really love that for us. Love that. But so sometimes I'll just throw in my tip of the week and kind of loop it back. But no secret. I'm like obviously very single 
dabble here and there in the dating world, but I hate it. And here's why. Mm, here we go. I like hung out with someone like four times, mm-hmm. like a handful of times. Not anything super serious. Could, did it have the potential? Perhaps. But obviously I'm busy. So I'm not going to downplay the fact that I'm super busy. It is what it is. But I'm very honest from the get-go about what I've got going in my life. Two jobs, podcast, powerlifting. You got a lot going on. I got a lot going on. But I've always been a big advocate for you'll make time for the things that are worth making time for. And I will if you're worth making the time for. If you're not, don't don't get mad at me for that. Um, <laughs> Wasn't worth my time. But someone today that I hung out with a handful of times told me... Let me, let me just oh, read this go. treasure. treasure. We love it. We love a treasure. So this is just an interesting comment. You have unusually long workouts to work around. I don't knock the workout grind, but I learned that powerlifting is something I would not prefer my girl to do. Mm. I'm just telling you so you understand how it comes off. This comes from a place of care when I say a lot of these characteristics come off very difficult to work around and also very masculine. Who hurt you, dude? <laughs> Who hurt you? So... If, oh I'm, that's, if I'm too much for you, go find less. Yeah. I'm not going to stop powerlifting. If someone feels that's too masculine, then don't date a powerlifter. Mm-hmm. Because not only has that been the best thing ever for my mental and physical health, but I've met the greatest community of people that I consider my family. So that is my happy place and happy time. So I'm not going to give up powerlifting to seem less masculine for a guy. Okay. If you're just je- if you're jealous that I can outlift you, just say so. <laughs> just say so if you're jelly that I can outlift you. Okay, so this happened today, you guys. We got this text. Wait, I want to give the backstory out there. Okay, so she got this text today and she, she's reading in the kitchen with Jacob and I. And so we're all reading it and we're trying to decide, you know, how to approach this situation, right? Like, should you reply? Okay, so I had not? like a long response yes. typed up because yes. I went I went into full Samantha Petty. I love being petty because Absolutely. I just, I think I'm so funny. I cracked myself up. So I typed up this whole thing where I was like, Ooh, that's a zinger. Zing, zang. Mm, got him. Like, I crafted this beautiful masterpiece because I was like, yeah. 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 Like, I have to. I have to fight back. Like, Absolutely. That's in my blood. It's. It, I'm just ready to yeah, yeah. go. Yeah. And then. And win. Because I, like, if you want to fight, like, let's go. I, I will win. I will then, destroy you with words. And then Jacob was like, don't respond. Yeah. Don't. No. Well, no. I no. brought it up oh, first. Yeah. I asked. This goes a step further. I was like, okay, you guys. So I typed up this whole thing. Should I send it? Mm-hmm. Or should I do nothing? I was like, I think I'm mature enough, not in a sense of just actually being a mature, good human, but I'm mature enough in my pettiness <laughs> that I've had to accept the fact that I there's more toxic pettiness and winning in not responding and knowing that bothered him more, but I don't get to see the response. So like Jacob actually said, it, he's like, so you're going to have to make peace with not getting to see the results yeah like you're not going to get the satisfaction of knowing that it bothered him because you're not going to get to see it you're just going to have to trust that you not responding to him like got to him more than if you did respond and I'm like that is mm-hmm. that's next level okay and can we drop another tip for yeah. all of our selfie oh uh, so we tried to do this there. okay so we went is, over the options right of what to options. do we were like should I just like it like the thumbs right. up on iMessage which was a I was very close to doing that because that would have been really good and then we were like, turn red receipts on. Yes. This is a caller daddy tip, you guys. Yeah. For any of you who listen, I know many of you do. So the tip is to turn it on. However, we learned this the hard way. 
if you're dating someone, okay, if you guys are dating, no matter what the set the, the setting is with them, turn it on before. Yeah. So we tried. So I turned on my red receipt. Because, okay, if you didn't know this, you can, red receipts don't have to be turned on for everyone. Correct. Toxic tip. Which I did not know. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. So you can turn red receipts on for an individual person. Mm-hmm. So if there's like someone you're dating and you want them to see that you read your message and not respond and you want to be like that petty So and all toxic, you do is go into their like you go into, into their, their contact profile. Yeah. And you go to edit and right down at the bottom it says send red receipts and you just click. Yeah. That on. You just turn red receipts on for individually them because normally when you go to your settings it's like turn red receipts on and it's just one option and it applies to all your text messages. But you can go to your individual person. I didn't know that. I love that. Yeah. And do it. But it's not retroactive. Yeah. So we did a we did a test. I had <laughs> Jacob, Tori's husband, text me and I opened it and I read it and I waited a couple minutes. Then I turned my red receipts on for Jacob. And then I was like, okay, let's now go check and let me read your text again and see if it'll like switch over to red. And it never did. It switched out, it stayed on delivery. We so, tried. Yeah. But hot tip for you guys. Hot tip. If you're dating someone and you want to keep that um, upper hand, this is why I'm single and not married like Tori. <laughs> Obviously, I clearly have a lot of personal growth to undergo as a human. And I am I'm enjoying toxic. it. We're having so much fun. I am unwell. <laughs> <laughs> We're both but, unwell. So that's my tip. But anyways... What it comes down to, my real tip of the week, besides all those toxic things that I just unleashed on you, is don't change for anyone. Like, I could have taken that feedback and been like, that wasn't constructive criticism. It was. By the way. like By the way, those a lot of it was digs. Yeah. I'm like, if I'm too masculine for you, go find a little dainty housewife. But that ain't me. I got calluses on my hands and I say, fuck. If I'm too masculine for you, go find less. If I'm too much for you, go find less. Because I was me from the get-go. You knew who I was. After the first date, you chose to still go on a second. You chose to go on a third. And now all of a sudden, I'm too masculine. Be yourself. And if someone, if you're too much for someone, they can go find less. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ain't going to be me. Love that for you. All right. Okay. Unpopular opinion. This was one that uh, struck me the other day. <laughs> that I, was I love like, this. This one is... I have an issue, you guys. I have an issue, mm-hmm. okay? Unpopular opinion. Joggers, I have beef with you in the scrub world, okay? Said it. Finally. I have, I have, I have beef with it. I hate joggers. Okay, here's scrubs. so many reasons why. First reason, what shoes are you supposed to wear? Because here's why. I like to wear my compression socks and you can't wear socks with joggers. Like, first of all, that is a big problem. Like, and you, you should cannot. be wearing compression socks. If you're not wearing compression socks, you are like, I physically doing can't have wrong. the worst circulation in the world. Like, I have to wear socks. So there's that. Then I can't wear my clogs, which makes me really sad. And I know I asked you guys, I'm a clogs They're girl. They're so gross. Come at me. Okay. Um, but I'm like what how are you supposed to wear these like I need to wear my compression socks and then the ones that I have I don't know if they're just too big but I like I look like MC Hammer like it's you're supposed to look cool and wear your like Asics with it obviously I know I know I'm sorry I don't I mean I got my Nikes but I just I don't want to wear those to the I like wearing those for my workout not for hospital moment I don't know I just got beef with joggers I just I don't know how I I don't love it I think there's a, definitely athletic bodies that look really good in it but then their ankles are bare and I'm like have you never had poop flung at yeah, you you've obviously or, never been or, pooped on and yeah, it shows or blood flung or anything I'm like you got your bare ankles there I don't know I just I mean I get we have our bare arms and like that's a thing but just it's weird to me I don't know why I don't I personally don't like them because I have cankles and I feel like very discriminated 
discriminated against that I can't wear joggers. This is purely from a place of jealousy is that I can't wear them and look good in them. So therefore, I hate you if you can. (laughs) Can we also talk about the fact that you can definitely tell the age of the person by what they're wearing? Oh, for sure. So if you walk into a hospital and you see someone wearing jogger figs with the like sleeves that are like the kind of short sleeve jogger figs Mm -hmm. and they're wearing like asics baby nurse new grad they've been a nurse for like less than five years Mm -hmm. and then like printed tops printed tops we know you've been you've been a nurse longer than i've been alive absolutely yeah and Mm -hmm. then like shoes certain shoes you know if you're wearing clogs like victoria absolutely and you and then have you got your, your, like little wait, clogs. if you're wearing cherokee or gray's anatomy or koi with yep. your clogs you've been a nurse anywhere between five to ten years five to ten years for sure Bottom absolutely line. and in a very specific way like i like my my legs the actual scrubs to it's go very all the straight way down leg. straight leg you have a straight like, leg oh yeah with the little slit at the bottom if you're wearing the little jacket that's like okay if you're wearing like a lululemon jacket baby nurse baby nurse or well, even the five to ten years five to ten, ten year, years i would yeah if you are wearing that like button the top that like buttons so it's like the actual like scrub jacket like it's a jacket that's like oh, you buy it at a scrub store yes if, I, and that's buttons yes you are a very experienced nurse and I would trust you with my life <laughs> <laughs> like, what about the bonnets bonnets with like the print tops that you know everyone I will wearing. trust you with my life you Absolutely. are the backbone of this unit <laughs> you are the backbone of this unit or if you wear the swishy jacket too you are you love that for yes. you yes you you are keeping this unit alive you are holding everyone around you together (laughs) it is funny how much the trends that are going on right now and you can just tell from a mile it's funny even like the baby doctors the oh, and the ones who are wearing patagonia yes patagonia and they're wearing their figs and it's like sir God, it is. You know what's weird? Okay, you guys. You know what's really weird is when the doctors coming in literally look like teenagers. Right? How old did I get where we, doctors look old. like babies? We're old. Yeah, fuck. It is crazy to me. These new doctors that came <sighs> in this last July. I was like, oh my God. Like, But speaking of amazing speaking of doctors. Well and speaking of doctors. Yeah. We have the best guest today. Mm-hmm. One that Sam has literally, you guys, she has been begging to get a dermatologist on. And when we found this doctor, we were like, oh, we hit jackpot. This is jackpot for you guys. We are so excited today to have Dr. Dustin Portella on. He's a board certified dermatologist and dermatologic surgeon. The real kicker, though, which I fangirl over and I know Tori did, too. He has 1.4 million followers on TikTok. I mean, he's kind of a big deal. He's kind of a big deal, you guys. Like, <laughs> so we crazy. are so lucky to have him here today. You can find him on TikTok. It's 208 Skinned Doc. And can I just say, too, he was so much fun to bring on, you guys. He was so kind. So he just indulged all of our crazy questions. There was a lot. There was a lot. We, like, picked his brain for you. So you are going to walk away with, like, the best skin after this because we asked all the good questions and okay yes he's like tiktok famous but he knows his stuff he's certified through the american board of dermatology it's the largest national group of board certified dermatologists and then he specializes in skin cancer surgery facial reconstruction skin cancer prevention complex medical dermatology and wound healing get ready you guys because today we're going to get into all things dermatology the best and worst tiktok trends yes we're going there skincare skin cancer prevention lasers microneedling balling on a budget with our products yes we asked all the questions for you guys medical grade skincare anti-aging tips the best tip and tips and tricks just for you guys 
all of the best products that you need to stock up in your cabinet. And trust me, this the list that he gives us is not what you think it is. I love his take on products in general. And I think that this is actually something that we need to be talking a lot more on. Skincare made simple. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think the internet makes it out to be much harder than it is. And he really simplifies, simplifies it, it for you. Yep. We, t- we get into all things social media as a doctor. Not only that, you guys, his practice has been featured on Shape, Marie Claire, and BuzzFeed. You guys, we're getting all the juice today. So without further ado, let's dive into the show. Okay, first of all, I just want to say this. Offer. I, I am obsessed with you. Thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> this is like yeah, thank the you. episode I have been waiting for. For so long because I've been saying for like ever, I'm like, Tori, we need a derm. We need, we need a derm. A derm. Mm-hmm. And then we yeah. found you and we're like, this is it. This is this it. This is the episode. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's very nice. Yeah. I um, About once a month, I go to the surgery center because occasionally, like I do, I do almost everything in the clinic, but occasionally a patient wants to go to sleep or like today we had somebody who had a bleeding disorder, so they don't clot very well. So they needed IV medication to make sure they clot. And then another guy, I removed 14 lipomas from oh. him. I'm like, I can't give you that much epi and lido in the clinic. Right. So we're going to put you under. So, and um, I thought I was going in there to do like 10 or 11. And then he's like, well, I have these other three. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, I have a hard time. I have a hard time saying no when I'm putting you under and putting all, all this trouble. So we ended up doing 14 lipomas on him. Wow. And it just took forever. Oh my gosh. That's so cool, though. I mean, well, thank you. We appreciate it. So we we just... Yeah, no problem. So we want to kick this off with a question that we ask all of our guests. What is your unpopular opinion? You know, I was trying to think about that um, when I saw it. And um, I don't know that I really have a good answer. I mean, there's so many things going on in the world right now. And um, like, I don't want to get myself in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we like the spicy question. We're like, yeah. what are they going to say? <laughs> um, so I would say right now, my unpopular opinion is like, I, I'm a big advocate for individual health freedom. And I'm a big advocate of vaccines. But I think that if we force people to do something, it's going to breed a lot of mistrust in the medical system. And I think we're going to set ourselves back for progress. Um, and and like, I don't want anybody to come away from that thinking like I'm not in favor of a vaccine or a treatment or anything like that. And I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm trying not to get too specific on purpose, but (laughs) I think the answer is education and not coercion. And I think if we use coercion, uh, it's going to inhibit medical progress on other things because we're going to have to do this kind of stuff again in the future. So I love that hot take. That's, I love that. That's actually, I think that's very insightful. And I think it's good to hear from us, the medical community as well, because I agree with you. I don't think forcing people, but we're very pro-vaccine, but it is yeah. hard. It's yeah. this mixed, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I'm right there with you in being very pro-vaccine, but I also, I, I think that there's some unintended consequences of, of putting people in a position where they haven't been educated enough to make that decision. And I think the answer is we just need to educate more. Okay. So, okay. So Sam is a big TikToker. <laughs> let's say, let's just say, so she's, she's big on this. And I want to jump in with this question because I think it's like so much fun. What are the best and worst 
TikTok trends that you have seen in the dermatology world as far as skincare? Yeah. So there's so many of them. I mean, I feel like that's how my platform got its start was just trying to answer some of these things. Um, and so I did like, I jotted down a couple of things, but like so many people are interested in putting food on their skin and creating these DIY skincare things like really yeah like pulling like things out of the pantry like and, yogurt and yeah. honey and turmeric and lemon juice and baking soda and I'm like these things you can consume them they, they don't need to be on your skin uh, you know maybe if we didn't have options for like masks and treatments and stuff but we have amazing options over the counter like you don't need to go and concoct something in your kitchen like leave it to the chemist purchase inexpensive yeah. stuff and use it um, there was also a trend that came along for a little while on, on individuals using their period blood as a face mask to treat acne. Oh, oh what? Wait, Why? What? Yeah, oh. I, I can't figure it out either. But I mean, there were multiple videos with millions of views encouraging oh. people to do this as the way like I never got acne because my mom taught me how to do this. I'm like, oh, or you no. had good genetics. Um, oh, oh no, 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 no. Yeah. So definitely that like takes the cake for me as a, as a no go skincare trend. And then there's just this overall trend. And I don't think it's unique to TikTok of just like neglecting expertise. Like we always want a quick fix. We want some insider information. And we think like this worked for somebody on the internet and I don't trust doctors or I don't trust the medical system. So I'm going to like, just decide that this is the thing that I'm going to do because somebody else said it. And I don't know. So just this overall trend of neglecting expertise um, in favor of a quick fix. So that's just kind of some of the stuff that I came up with. Yeah. What are some of the best trends you've seen? So, you, like? you know, there's, there's a couple big creators that have um, gotten big because they talk a lot about ingredients. And I think just overall the trend of consumers that do start to understand and research ingredients I think that now more than ever, we have a group of consumers in skincare that are educated about what ingredients do, how to look for active ingredients, how to look for irritants or allergens. And that in turn has driven a response from the skincare industry to create better products. And one of the brands that I've seen this happen with is Mario Badescu. They um, have been, you know, well known for their spa in New York, and they create a lot of products that are heavy on fragrance. And as long as you're not allergic to fragrance, it's fine. But because of that, they got, you know, kind of a bad reputation among some influencers. But they listened to kind of that feedback. And they came out with, in my opinion, a set of like great cleansers that are fragrance free that really do a good job. And it was really driven by consumers who are digging into ingredients and saying, this is what we demand. So I think that's one of the best trends that I've seen come off of TikTok. I love that. I think it's even made people in general, like interested, mm -hmm. like engaged. I never had like a skincare routine. And then I feel like in the last year from TikTok, I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing? What are my ingredients? What's yeah, my plan? Yeah, 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 without a doubt. Well, I think we kind of come from the age of, you know, just a lot of the big companies really doing this crazy amount of marketing for products that we didn't really, it, we weren't as engaged in that. And then I think now, well, and I grew really up are. in the 90s with the yeah. like Neutrogena and Clean and Clear commercials <laughs> yeah. where they're like dramatically washing their face in the sink <laughs> and like, I'm like, oh yeah, this is it. Oh, These are quality products. 
was, was the acne? Neutrogena, no? No, there was another one where it was like a two-step process that we all did. Oh, God, what's the company? I was a big clean and clear gal in the 90s. <laughs> well, can you give us a little bit of um, background about yourself, your journey? What even like got you into dermatology as your specialty? Yeah. So I had kind of always planned to be in medicine in some degree. My dad was a high school like anatomy and physiology teacher. So I was around, you know, science from a very young age. Like I'd go to his science classroom and I'm like making mad scientist concoctions with beakers and Bunsen burners. <laughs> and so, so that was just kind of my childhood. And um, so I knew I'd probably go into medicine. I thought about PA school. Um, then I was kind of on the fence if, as to whether I do medicine or not. And my college roommate was going into medical school and, um, and he's really smart, but I thought like, well, if he could do it, I can do it. And <laughs> nothing like some friendly competition exactly, to exactly. spur your career. And so, and then this is the funny part is I was, um, eating at a Chinese restaurant, like on a Sunday night. Cause I would just go there sometimes, like if I'd been studying all weekend and have a really healthy meal, you know, and my fortune cookie that night, um, as I was like thinking about what I'm going to do with the rest of my life, the fortune cookie, I'm not even joking, said you could prosper in the field of medicine. And so I was like, all right, that's it. I'm going to tell everybody from now on. I went into medical school because a fortune cookie told me to. <laughs> if only all life's decisions were that easy. Seriously. Or flip a coin. Yeah. yeah. So, so I'm going to go get Panda Express for dinner now. <laughs> See what it tells me to do. So, but I do still have that, that fortune. It's taped inside my wallet. And that's um, so cool. So I like showing that to people. It's like, why did you go into medicine? Um, when I went to medical school, I thought I would do emergency medicine. In my mind, I, I loved the fast pace, the decision making, and the procedures. I really liked doing things with my hands, doing lots of procedures. And then I shadowed a dermatologist right before I went to medical school. I actually thought it was a little bit boring because when you're shadowing in dermatology, you don't get to do much. You know, sometimes patients are paying cash and you're doing cosmetic type things or you're suturing on the face and they want it to look good. So they're not letting a student do that kind of stuff. So you don't get a lot of hands on. In the emergency room, when you're a student, they'll throw you into it because, <laughs> hey, we either need yeah, yeah. the help or, hey, this person is inebriated and they need stitches. They're not going to care who does it. So you get to do a lot of hands on. Um, so eventually, <laughs> I just took kind of a leap of faith and said, I love doing procedures. Dermatology does a lot of procedures. I know that it can be a great lifestyle. So I'm going to go for that. And, you know, if I don't make it there, I'll take a year off and go back and do ER. But, you know, luckily enough, I got in and I absolutely love nearly every aspect of being a dermatologist. What? Okay. So this is a big question because I think this is something that we kind of push off in general why do you think it's so important for us to see a board certified dermatologist? Like what? Because I think we all skin, right? It's our biggest organ. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just something that we don't think about. But from your perspective, like what is the importance behind that? Yeah. So when you see that somebody is board certified in any specialty, that should tell you that they've gone through a pretty rigorous process pertaining to that discipline, meaning medical school, which is four years. Um, and then a residency, and depending on the specialty, it can be anywhere between three and seven years. For dermatology, it's four. And then they do specific training related to that organ system or that disease process, whatever it is, and then take a board exam, which is, you know, an all day or sometimes multiple day, depending on the specialty, exam proving minimal competence. 
And I don't think that people understand, you know, necessarily in all ways that medical education works. So there are obviously many family doctors who are well-versed in taking care of skin conditions, but a family doctor, if they just do the minimum, they may have only a two week rotation in their entire residency where they're just doing dermatology and they'll see skin conditions in their continuity clinic and things. But as far as really a deep dive into the pathophysiology of skin, it could be as little as a two week rotation over the course of their three year residency. Um, you know, I am not the type of person that should be managing anybody's diabetes or high blood pressure. Cause I really didn't get that kind of education in my residency. So there's just so much knowledge to be gained that when you see a board certified dermatologist, you know that they understand the pathophysiology of skin, that they know how to do cutaneous surgery, that they know how to write the prescriptions that are going to make your skin better. And there's still, you know, a lot that I learn every day, but I know that when I see a patient, I'm generally prepared for almost anything they can throw at me if it's part of their skin, hair or nails. I think that speaks to how broad your scope actually kind of is under skin though because you are doing things for like aesthetic purposes as far as like clearing up skin and things like that but then you're seeing like the skin cancers you're doing the procedures you're like anything and everything in between and then there's even the other like aesthetic world of like Botox filler microneedling lasers and things like that so what kind of in your own practice what are you do you have like an area you kind of tend to specialize more in or do you keep it like completely that broad? I think there's just like a lot of us don't know what mm -hmm. you guys are actually. I think there's a lot of misconceptions about what derms are actually doing in their like day to day practice. Yeah. And it'll depend a lot on what your individual practice situation is. For my situation, I'm the only physician in the practice and I do work with two amazing physician assistants. But because I'm the only physician, I have to do a little bit of everything. And, you know, if there's something where a patient has a need that is not really something that I do frequently, I'll send them out. For example, in dermatology, we get education on sclerotherapy, which is using an injectable solution to take care of spider veins on the legs usually. So I know how to do that. I was trained in the basics of it, but I don't do it nearly enough to be the best person at it. So I send them somewhere else. But when they have, you know, need for a skin check, that's what I do all day. So my practice is majority of it is medical and surgical dermatology. So identifying and treating skin cancer, removing moles, um, lipomas, cysts, uh, probably 10 to 15% cosmetic, which includes lasers, Botox and fillers. And then working closely with my two PAs to make sure their patients are getting the type of care that I would provide um, if I was the one seeing the patient. From your expertise, thinking about skin cancer and prevention, do you have some good tips for everyone out there of the best ways to help protect their skin and help avoid skin cancer? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it's cliche, but sunscreen is the, the best thing that you can do to prevent um, the development of skin cancer. And there have been papers that have shown, studies that have shown, starting skin um, sunscreen at essentially any age has a protective benefit. So if you're like 60 years old and you've never worn sunscreen, there is a benefit to start now. So it's not too late to start sunscreen. Um, the younger that you start, obviously, the better that you're going to do. And multiple papers out of Australia have proven that, that it does decrease the risk of basal cell carcinoma, squamous cell carcinoma, and melanoma. 
um, Australia's really really been a leader in developing developing those kinds of research because they have the highest rate of skin cancer in the world. And then second, um, you know, there's there's a, a study that came out. It's been a few years now. And the patient population were people that had skin cancer in the past, basal cell and squamous cell. And they showed in that paper that individuals who took nicotinamide, which is a B vitamin, vitamin B3, taking 500 milligrams twice a day decreased the risk of developing additional skin cancers in that population when compared to the placebo group. And I don't remember what the follow-up term was, but it was convincing and it was statistically significant. Now, we can we can extrapolate and hypothesize that it could have a primary preventative role. Meaning if you've never had skin cancer, you may benefit from taking nicotinamide. It's a pretty low risk intervention, but you know, the data isn't there to say it does have a primary preventative role. But for my patients who come in and they haven't had skin cancer yet, but they have a ton of sun damage and I'm freezing precancerous spots on them. I do encourage them to take it. It's good to know. I have yeah. my mom and my all my aunts have had a ton of stuff cut off of them that is like cancerous and precancerous. But my sister's only 24 and she's already had a couple precancerous um, things removed on her skin. Mm-hmm. When should people start seeing a dermatologist for their skin checks? Yeah. It, it'll depend on a couple of factors. One is family history. If you have a first degree relative okay. like mom, dad, ah. <laughs> brothers, sisters who've had skin cancer, Um, In your early adult years, it's okay to go and get a baseline examination with the dermatologist, especially if it's melanoma, because melanoma can have a little bit more genetic component to it, Mm -hmm. where it could show up at younger ages. Um, If you've had severe sunburns in your life, you know, three to five severe sunburns, it's okay to go get a baseline exam and make sure that, you know, your moles, what they look like now, they may take photographs, be able to check it again in a year or two, whatever the recommendation is. So family history, personal history of sunburns. And then if you have ever had a skin cancer, you should just plan on seeing a dermatologist every year for the rest of your life, in my opinion. Mm, Interesting. What makes a good, so you mentioned that it's never too late to even start a sunscreen, but what makes a good sunscreen? Like what ingredients should you look for in a quality Mm -hmm. sunscreen or what's, I think some people too think just like, oh, it's a hundred SPF, so I'm good. And there's like right. not actually meaning much of anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's a, that's a good point. And there's a lot of misconceptions about sunscreen. So the basics are that the American Academy of Dermatology, most dermatologists are going to recommend SPF 30 or higher. And that, that means that you're essentially, I mean, what, 93 to 95% protected from UVB rays. It also should say broad spectrum, which means it covers you from UVA rays. So UVA and UVB are the primary ultraviolet radiation rays that we're exposed to that cause us to look older, um, to burn our skin, and to um, develop skin cancer. So SPF 30 or higher, broad spectrum. Um, and then if you're sweating or working out or you know playing in the water, it should be water resistant. Now, when they give you an SPF rating, it's based on a pretty thick concentration putting that on the skin. And most of us don't put it on that much, even dermatologists. Don't cake it on, you know, that much. So that's where you might get a benefit from going up to an SPF 50 or 70, because if you put it on, um, you know, in a normal, like a normal person, you know, you're not putting Mark Zuckerberg level stuff on your face. (laughs) Um, That picture is iconic. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, you might get a little more protection from an SPF 50 or a 70 because you're not putting on enough 
to really get that full SPF that it's listed on the bottle. Um, then it comes down to what do you like? What feels good on your skin? Because in reality, the best sunscreen is the one you like to use because you're more likely to use it. So if I tell everybody you need, you know, banana boat 70, but you hate the way it smells, you know, that doesn't do you any, any good. So I don't care if somebody uses a chemical sunscreen or a physical sunscreen. So if your active ingredients are avobenzone, oxybenzone, octocrylene, I'm totally okay with that. If you prefer zinc and titanium, I'm totally okay with that. Just make sure you like the way it feels. So you'll put it on frequently. There's no data to suggest those chemical filters, even though they have shown up in the bloodstream in, in a study that, you know, we could dive into the details of that study, but there's no evidence that that actually causes any harm to people. What do you use? (laughs) So I, I use a lot of different ones. So this morning, um, my sunscreen on my face is the micro day cream from Neocutis and it's a tinted sunscreen. Feels amazing. I just want to copy whatever you're doing. Okay. Yeah. Also, I want to highlight this. If you have any suggestions or things, we'll link it down in Perfect. the show notes for everybody. Yeah. So we'll just put it down there so you guys can just click and go. Amazing. Yeah. Micro day cream is going to be harder to get. That's usually physician dispensed, Neocutis. And I cheat because I can buy the back bar size. And so it's like 10 times bigger than you can buy from your dermatologist. So it lasts me forever. But... Um, you know, there's a few that I've used quite a bit. Recently, I've been using the Zit Sticka uh, Mega Shade, and it's a really fluid sunscreen. It feels great. Um, I just tried the CeraVe Sheer Tinted, and I actually I like that, that quite a that. bit. Yeah. yeah, that was my new, I think that was like a TikTok recommendation <laughs> yeah. that I found. So I like that one a lot. I don't care for like the regular CeraVe, the non-tinted. It leaves like a horrible white cast if you don't dilute it down or something, so... Um, so I rotate through lots of different ones. I use a lot of sprays on my arms. Um, okay. I was going to ask you about spray because yes. yes. I'm lazy and I like to just spray myself for, I always use a cream on my face or whatever, like liquid, but I always use a spray on my body because it's just like a lot of surface area to cover. <laughs> yeah. So I either spray my arms or if I don't need it to be water resistant, I may put on the Elta MD UV lotion. Mm. I love that spreads Elta pretty MD. well. Yeah, I've Elta's fantastic. That. It's the one that I love. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to Cancun in a week, so I need oh, to... Oh, you've got to prepare. I've got other yeah. tips for you there. Okay, good, because I'm like, you know, I want to like look good, but I'm trying... I'm 35. I got to take care of this. We are trying to stay young, so I can't let Cancun just bake me. No, you got you to gotta yeah. be careful. So I, I spray down, especially for guys, I recommend sprays because if you have hair on your arms and legs, it's, it's hard to rub a lotion on that. Mm-hmm. So spray it down. Um, there is a local company. I use a lot of their spray. It's called 21 Sun Co. And they have a spray. It's got aloe vera on it, you know, in, in the formula. So it feels pretty nice. Is there a, like, a, it's kind of a weird question, but a max amount of time per day someone should be in the sun? Because like, okay, I, Jacob and I live by the beach we're often beachgoers we do always uh, like I'm a hat wearer and then obviously like I'll we'll put up you know an umbrella or whatever but is there a recommendation from your point of view of like okay this is like a little too much sun get out so I think even if you're really good about sunscreen if you spend a lot of time outdoors you're going to start to get some color and that's okay um you just have to be aware of it you really should be out reapplying every couple hours. But if you're in the sun all the time, you know, you run risks of other things if you're not hydrating adequately. Um, so, you know, I don't think that there's a maximum exposure time if you're adequately protecting your skin, but just be aware, you know, probably going to make you more tired and wear you out 
just because mm-hmm. the sun seems to zap you when you're out a whole bunch. So <laughs> it makes me exhausted. I get like sun drunk or whatever. Where I'm mm-hmm. just so tired. I like fall asleep immediately. Just protect yourself. You know, in general, dermatologists will recommend avoiding the most intense hours of the day, you know, kind of between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. Or So those are where you're going to get the, the most rays. <laughs> That's when I like so. to get my prime tan hours. I know. Uh, honestly, the hard part, too, about this summer is like, you know, it's been a pandemic. So I defaulted to if you can't tone it, tan it was my like summer hot girl summer tip Absolutely. so but i like want to also not get old so i'm like really like all right how do i bring this all together there's also like the idea of like getting your vitamin d like getting out into nature and i think there's that balance right of like still being able to you know get your sun feel healthy get those get that vitamin d but, but then skincare also is like I, the fountain of like that is really the secret to youth mm-hmm. protecting yeah. skin yeah i mean there's huge benefits from staying active um so you have to get out, you have to be active and you just have to be reasonable about it. I, you know, I really don't expect people to be vampires, only go out at night, you know, completely cover themselves. You know, for me, I put on sunscreen every morning before I leave the house. Half the days I forget to do my arms. That's just the reality of it. Um, half the time I remember to reapply when I'm leaving work for my drive home. Um, I'll get home if my kids are playing in the pool, I'll take my shirt off, put on my swim trunks and I'll jump in the pool. You know, by then it's seven, eight o'clock. Sun and exposure is not terribly intense, even though it's still out. But I probably, you know, I'm not lathering up everything at that point. And, and so, you know, you have to live your life. You have to be reasonable. But I'm very cautious about protecting my face because the majority of skin cancer surgeries that I do are on the face. I've seen what I do to people and I don't want anybody to do that to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have one last question about this really quick. I used to make fun of my mom for doing this, but she's she still does this to this day. So she wears driving gloves. Mm-hmm. Are you a fan of this idea? The reason, because a lot of us have long commutes and oftentimes like you don't realize, you know, you have your hand on the steering wheel, but like that top part of your hands, like, is there any, like, how do you feel your about Your hands like gloves? age you also. Yes. Like you can almost tell how old someone is by looking at their hands. Yes. And their neck. Definitely. Right? Yeah. 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 So yeah, the neck oh my God, and I'm the hands <laughs> totally get neglected. So yeah, driving gloves are great. I mean, they're going to protect you. Your hands do start to get a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, lentigo sunspots. So driving gloves, if you can remember to do it consistently, big fan. All right. See, I'm Does your dad it. have a farmer's tan, Tori? Oh my gosh. Yeah. The cutoff. Tori and I's yeah. fathers are both farmers. Oh yeah. And my dad has, it's like the you take his right shirt here. off. He literally looks like he's yeah. wearing a white t-shirt. <laughs> it's like, and he's Italian Spanish. So he gets pretty dark. So his arm is like extremely dark brown. But if you take his shirt off, he looks like or he's wearing yeah, a white t-shirt. And, you don't and he has think the sock tan line too. It's like, yeah. Yeah, I'll have to send you the link for a TikTok, but I had a patient just like that who was, he's in his 80s, farmer, always, you know, always wore a short sleeve shirt. And there is a 40 year difference between his shoulder skin and his forearm skin. That's wild. I think that's like, honestly, the same Mm -hmm. for my dad, though. He's going to be 66 this year and he's been a farmer since he was 18. And yeah, the farm will age you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of aging or anti-aging. Sam and I want to know this one for sure. If someone is going to a medical spa, what, in your humble opinion, is the best bang for your buck if you're going for whatever it is, microneedling, lasers? Like, if someone's going in to, like, like look if you're going to spend the money. If you're spending the money, yeah, what's the mm-hmm. best route to go? Well, 
it depends on how old is the patient and, you know, what are their particular 35. concerns. <laughs> 35. <laughs> 35. Asking for a friend. Asking for a friend. Totally not a selfish question at all. You know, I think um, in that circumstance for somebody, you know, still fairly young that's in the habit of wearing sunscreen every day because if you're, if you're not wearing sunscreen every day, don't waste your money on cosmetic procedures. Ooh. Um, Ooh, you have that. to protect that investment. Um, if you're not, you know... I, I tell patients, there's nothing that I can do to you that's stronger than what the sun can do. So if you don't protect your skin, uh, you're wasting your money. I'm glad to take it, but you're wasting your money. So, you know, probably um, at that age, I think Botox is a great preventative and you probably don't you. need to do it like every three months. I do it about twice a year. So all, all my movement starts to come back and I'll, I'll, I'll ride that for a couple of months and then I'll do where it do again. You, can I ask where you do, do you yeah. do brow or like where are your Yep. So I do areas. brow, I do my forehead and I okay. do my crow's feet. Oh, we're twins. Well, I need to get Jake. I want Jacob to get into Yeah. Botox is, Tori and I are big Botox yeah. gals, but yeah. those are the three spots I do it. Actually, I just learned that this is a thing. I did my jelly roll. Oh yeah. I didn't know that was a thing, but honestly that Under I think. Under your eye. Yeah. yeah, under my eye, because when I would smile, I look like I have really big like bags or like circles under my eyes because it was always like puffy when I'd smile. And then she did the Botox under there. And now it's like completely flat. I don't have any like that was like the life changing spot. Like we are sleeping on the jelly roll, people. Yeah. How do you feel about lasers? Like laser love them. Yeah, I love them. Um, there's so many different types of lasers and you do have to make sure that the operator of the laser really knows what they're doing. Because if you address the wrong concern with the wrong laser, you can make it worse. So, but you know, what, what lasers can do is pretty remarkable. It can be magical. So, so, okay. A lot of lasers are like more corrective, right? Am I wrong? Or I'm not too educated on lasers. Um, primarily I would say corrective. Yeah. There, there is evidence that some of them can serve a preventative role. But corrective is probably what most people approach them for. So what if someone was like looking at them? Like what's a more like maybe mild laser yeah. procedure for someone who has pretty good skin? They don't have a ton of signs of aging. They don't have like a lot of acne scars or things like that. But they just want to kind We're of fresh. keep it fresh like me. <laughs> this is where, yeah, IPL or BBL is probably going to be the go-to there. If you're familiar with those. So BBL stands for broadband light. It's made by a company called Cyton. It happens to be the device that I have in my clinic. Um, and I do have a conflict of interest with the company. Um, I, you know, I've spoken for them before. So, you know, people can take that with a grain of salt, but there's and a lot of IPL. We like Rex, no matter. <laughs> yeah. So it's fine. So IPL is stands for intense pulse light. And that's what other companies will make, but they all operate under the same, you know, principle, but uh, you know, in the hands of a good operator who knows how to select the right energy, you can really improve red spots and brown spots on the skin. And there's data with the IPL or with the BBL to show that it actually turns on anti-aging genes in the skin oh, turn and them turns off for me. yeah and turns off senescent genes that make you look older so it's a fantastic preventative treatment but it can do amazing corrective work as well what's kind of like the downtime after doing a laser procedure like that so with IPL or BBL, usually what you're looking at is feeling like you've had a mild sunburn for a few hours but we're not breaking the skin so there's no injury to the epidermis. You can work out the next day. You just have to be good about sun exposure. So it's really like get it done. And um, depending on if you're focusing on like a lot of brown spots, if you have a lot of pigment, that may flake off over a period of a week or so, but it doesn't limit your activity. 
What about for like our moms out there or someone who is looking to go for a laser but has, you know, deeper lines or is looking to really kind of just refresh resurface. it? Yeah, resurface. Like, do you have a good recommendation for them? Yeah. So there's a number of devices that can resurface. And there's a couple different ways you can do resurfacing. And I'll, I'll try to walk it through so hopefully the listener can understand. But there's two principles. There's ablative and non-ablative. So ablative, think it like burns a hole in the top layer of skin. You can see it happening on the top layer of skin. And then non-ablative, the laser energy travels through the top layer of the skin without damaging it and then heats underneath. So that's non-ablative. You won't see a change to the top layer of the skin other than they may appear a little red from the heat. And then you have something called fractionated or non-fractionated. The way that I like to think about this is fractionated uses a lot of little holes and it punches them in the skin, kind of like your background there, you know, the, all the little spots will appear (laughs) on the skin, but you have all the normal skin between. So healing is very, very fast. And so that's like aerating the lawn. If you've, you know, seen people come by and aerate the lawn, punch a (laughs) bunch of holes, fork it, fork it, exactly. And then, um, then, So that's fractionated. And then you have fully ablative, which is like cutting the grass, just like mowing down everything. It doesn't leave islands of normal skin. So you can do combinations of all of those treatments. And depending on how aggressive you want to be, you know, if you want to be the most aggressive for resurfacing, taking care of lines and wrinkles, then you're going to want to go with like a fully ablative, just melt it all off and let new skin grow. If you want less downtime, you're going to go to like a fractionated, non-ablative treatment. And you can do that on your lunch and go back to work. Got it. What is like, I know it's probably very um, location specific demographic, but what's kind of like the general price range for like laser procedures like that? Mm -hmm. Like top end, low end? Yeah. So if you're doing, you know, kind of that lunchtime laser where you can go back to work or be at work the next day, you're going to need several of those treatments in order to get a dramatic result because in general, downtime, you know, is correlated with the type of results you get. So you're going to be spending, depending on the area of the country that you live in, you may be spending four to $800 per treatment on Mm -hmm. something like that. And um, you'll need, you know, four to six treatments, potentially three to six treatments. If you're going to go for the big one and say, hey, I want to do this one time. I don't care if I have to be, you know, in my house for two weeks and if I'm red for three months. Um, you know, that type of procedure can cost anywhere, depending on who's doing it, between 1500 up to, you know, four to $5,000. Wow. But you'll get incredible results with the right operator um, in a single treatment. So speaking of the right provider, though, how do you know that someone is a good operator of lasers because I know that, you know, there's nurses and aesthetics that do lasers. There's obviously dermatologists. How do you kind of differentiate and not just get some bad group on deal? Yeah. Well, don't, (laughs) don't group on your face. Okay. That's, that's always ours to say, like (laughs) I pay kind of on the higher end, even for my Botox per unit. And I know other people that are like, well, I, why do you pay that when you could do this? And I'm like, because I'm paying for the person. I'm paying for the person. Yeah. Not necessarily like, I get that Botox is priced per unit, but I'm paying for that person's expertise that's giving it to me, even though I know I could get cheaper Botox elsewhere. So yeah. I'm always say, don't group on your face. Yeah. That's the way that I approach it with my patients. I don't charge by the unit for Botox. Mm. So we charge by the area. So the forehead is an area. The elevens is an area. Around the eyes is an area. And I tell my patients, like, I don't care how many units it takes. 
Um, I want you to come to me because you like my expertise and I'm promising you the result. So I hated in residency seeing a patient come in, drop four to $500 on Botox, and then it's their first time. So, you know, they need more across their forehead. And then you're like, well, it's going to be another, you know, 80, $90. And they're like, I just paid you 500. Like that's upsetting. And I totally get that. So I tell my patients, I'll pick the units. You pay me for my expertise. Two weeks from now, especially your first time, if you don't have the result that you want, you come back, I touch it up for free because I promised you a result. And I've never had an unhappy Botox patient because of that. Love that. So I can't necessarily do that with fillers. I have to charge by the syringe just Mm -hmm. because of, you know, it's uh, not a multi-use vial. So um, when you're looking for a provider, there's a few questions you can definitely ask, you know, how long have you been doing it? How were you trained? You know, if you're seeing a board certified dermatologist, like we talked about, you have a reasonable assurance that they got trained on that and passed a board exam. The other specialties that have cosmetic training in their residency would be plastic surgery, oculoplastic surgery, and facial plastic surgery. And those are all branches of ophthalmology or ENT. Um, So if your primary cosmetic provider is a family doctor or an anesthesiologist or a pathologist or whatever it is, they were not trained in cosmetics in their residency program period. They got that training elsewhere, whether it was on weekend courses, whether it was watching YouTube videos, which I've definitely heard of. Um, So that doesn't necessarily mean that they don't know what they're doing. But when you're seeing a board certified dermatologist, you have a reasonable assurance they know what they're doing. Now, there are a lot of nurses, nurse practitioners and physician assistants that will be doing cosmetic procedures. And, you know, there's some things that are very easy. There's some things that are very challenging. But you can ask those individuals, who is your supervising physician? Like, you know, who's in charge of you? Mm -hmm. Um, If there's something that's going wrong, who will I see if you can't manage it? What are your plans for complications? Because it's very easy to stick a needle in somebody's face and push the plunger. I mean, that's the simplest thing in the world. For sure. So I I think part of the cosmetic training somebody goes through should enable them to then manage complications. If there's a vascular occlusion, if one eye is droopy, what's going to be done about it? And then the other part about training that I think is important is being able to say no to a patient. You know, if a patient comes to me and they have, you know, all this stuff and they're like, hey, I've got four thousand dollars i'm ready to drop it can you do this if that's not something i can do or i don't feel comfortable doing you know to be comfortable saying no because my training tells me i can't do that or i won't do that i won't you're not going to be a walking advertisement for me to give you you know lips that are the size of sausages (laughs) (laughs) totally as far as um my head's going to like microneedling and just someone who maybe wants to go in every other month for like not necessarily facial, but something like to actually do something nice for their skin to kind of resurface. Do you have good recommendations or like, do you have something that, and we're thinking more balling on a budget as far as away from lasers and more towards. Yeah. I mean, microneedling is fantastic. It does. It's kind of like a fractionated laser without the heat. You know, you're, you're aerating the lawn, so to speak. You're putting lots of tiny holes in there. You generate new collagen, but you're not creating enough of an injury to scar. So it can help you to get a more youthful look. There's evidence that it may help to break up some pigment. So I think microneedling is a great treatment to do. That's pretty low downtime. Whoever's doing it, it's unlikely that a physician is going to do your microneedling. So, you know, just ask who their supervisor is. What if there's a complication? Um, You know, if you get a cold sore and you just had microneedling, that can be dangerous. So who's going to write a prescription for you? 
Microneedling with PRP or without PRP, do you think there's like an advantage to that or not? I like PRP in general. Um, The results are inconsistent in my opinion, because if you go to one clinic versus another, nobody has the same protocol. There's no universal standardized protocol across the country. Everybody's going to be using a slightly different device and their protocols can be different. Um, My general experience is the younger you are, the better results you'll get from PRP. Um, So, you know, I've done PRP on patients who are a little older and and what are we trying to get from PRP? We're trying to get growth factors. We're trying to get cytokines. We're trying to get all the good stuff that's running through your veins. It's just a fact of life that as you get older, you heal more poorly, you have fewer growth factors. And so it's harder to get the good stuff out of somebody who's elderly versus somebody who's young. So, um, I, I do PRP in my clinic, but I don't twist anybody's arm to get it because Mm -hmm. I just don't think the results are something I can promise. I can say it's an add-on. It may be helpful, but it's going to cost you more money and I can't guarantee something. My life goal right now is just to be like, do well enough in my career to have expendable income for PRP. That's like my <laughs> only goal right now. <laughs> So how often are like do you recommend actually doing like micro needling cuz it's oh, yeah. not like every month, right? That's a little too soon turnaround time. Yeah, if you're just doing it for the first time, you may do it every month, you know, like three times in a row to really get you a jump start. And then maintenance can be anywhere between 2 to 4 times a year, I would say. Mm-hmm. I like that. Okay, so talking products cuz that's I I think that this is a big whole it's a whole enchilada. I'm really curious for someone who's fallen on a budget, what are your favorite go-to products for skincare or like brands that you like that are just like off the shelf? Like, are there things that you could recommend that you feel like, yes, these are great. But before we get into that, we've already said it. Are you ready to travel? Are you burnt out? Are you looking for something new? Because if you are, now's the time to revamp that resume. And let me tell you guys this. I was actually just helping a friend with um, her resume and she's actually an RT. And so I referred her to the Resume RX. You guys know we've talked about it here several times. This is the best way to stand out in your job search. And we did a like the plug in. So she purchased the the bundle and then plugged everything in and it was perfect for her too. Like, so not only nurses, but RTs. I think this is actually super applicable for anyone. New grads, if you're someone who's looking to travel nurse, all the things, this is easy. Fill in the blank solutions for your resume and cover letter. It's so wonderful. If you guys want to check out, head down to the link in the bio and get your resume spruced up today with Resume RX. All right. I have two night shifts left. Woohoo! And the only thing that's gotten me through this day shift, night shift madness is Beam Dream. You guys, we have been talking about this nonstop over here. Beam creates the highest quality functional supplements for better balance, energy recovery, and of course, sleep. That that is by far me and Sam's favorite product in their line. I love their Beam Dream, the powder. You guys know I do a little water with it, maybe a little almond milk at night, 30 minutes before bed. I swear I hit the pillow. I am ready. I am lights out after I drink this. Two capsules and night night. Mm -hmm. I could not say it enough. If you have trouble with sleeping, whether it's because you have trouble going to bed or night shift struggles, Beam Dream. Yep. We swear by Beam. Head over to beamtlc.com and use code SELFIE, C-E-L-L-F-I-E, 15 to get 15% off. That's beamtlc.com, code SELFIE, C-E-L-L-F-I-E, 15 for 15% off your purchase. 
Yeah. So there's a number of great brands out there. And, you know, I'll start with kind of the big box retailers. You can get some amazing products from CeraVe, from La Roche-Posay, from Vichy. Um, I have those all are some three favorites. of those right yeah. now. So Skin Fix is really good and It Cosmetics. Surprisingly, a number of those are owned by L'Oreal. I mean, they own like half the aesthetic cosmetic uh, companies. But get a gentle cleanser. You can get that from a number of brands. Um, I primarily, like if I'm just going to grab a gentle cleanser, nine times out of 10, it's going to be CeraVe. I like That's it. It works well for me. That's been the big TikTok one. I feel like yeah. everyone, like I see that all over. Um, and I was just, yeah, so you like it. You like CeraVe. Yeah. Um, you can get a retinol from CeraVe. It's not my favorite. Um, you know, one of my favorite over-the-counter retinols is from It Cosmetics. So their, um, their, their retinol is very nice. Um, trying to think of what else. Vitamin C products. Vichy has a couple really nice That's vitamin Cs. That's the one Cs. I just used this morning. Yeah. Mm. They have a good so, vitamin C. Ooh. Um, I like the La Roche-Posay vitamin C. Um, again, CeraVe's vitamin C and retinol are just not my favorite. I just don't don't care for them quite as much, but, um, what makes uh, a good retinol or vitamin C? Like, what are you looking for to distinguish them for a vitamin C? You want something that there's, there's a lot of different variations of vitamin C. So in general, if it's a serum, it's usually going to come in an opaque bottle of some kind, something to protect it from the light. So it doesn't oxidize. If you've been using your vitamin C for a while and it's changing color, it's probably time to get a new one. Um, you can get vitamin C in like gels or lotions as well. So I, I tend to like a serum for a vitamin C and um, you're going to want to use it till it changes color and then you're, you're generally going to change out. For a retinol, um, you can do that in a serum. You can do that in a gel or a lotion as well. And um, you're just going to want to find something. I think you can go up to 1% retinol over the counter and you just have to find one that works well for your skin type. A lower percentage is less likely to irritate the skin. A higher percentage can cause more dryness and you can always moisturize afterwards as well. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of break down, because I am curious, just the idea of medical grade skincare versus over the counter. Is the investment worth it? Like what, you know, can you break it down for us a little bit? Because I think there's just so many questions about, you know, and there's so many products out there, you know, how do you really determine what's worth the investment and what's yeah. So medical grade skincare is, is a, kind of a made up term. In general, it refers to stuff that you can buy at a doctor's office and you're going to pay more for it. So these products are typically more expensive. Um, in many cases, in my opinion, but not in all, they're going to have a nicer cosmetic texture to them. They're going to feel very nice. Um, that does not necessarily mean that they're better than something you can buy over the counter. But many dermatologists, plastic surgeons, and anybody who runs an aesthetic practice will offer the products because they've selected things that will pair well with the procedures that they're doing in the clinic and that will be kind of niche products, niche products to really tackle specific concerns. They're more likely to have ingredients like growth factors and peptides and collagen. And although those sound sexy, sometimes there's not a lot of evidence to say like, oh, you have a collagen cream, that's better than just a moisturizing, you know, Cetaphil cream that you can get over the counter. So I think if you've got the income to spend on it and you want to get a skincare consultation with an esthetician or a dermatologist and really try to get some more specialized products that will tackle specific concerns, whether it's pigmentation, wrinkles, dark circles under the eyes, 
then go ahead and go for it. You know, I use a ton of physician dispensed skincare because I own the, the clinic. So I'm not paying full price for that, obviously. Um, and uh, we do dispense a lot of it. But um, one other thing that I've, that I've heard in talking to a cosmetic chemist who I've become friends with is that sometimes these um, physician dispensed skincare products, these medical grade, are going to have fewer preservatives in them. And when, they, when the big box companies you know, create a product, it may have, have to have a shelf life of two to three years, depending on shipping and storing and when it's finally sold and used. So the levels of preservatives may be higher in those, whereas medical grade skincare, smaller sizes, smaller quantities, a little bit shorter time of production to consumption for the consumer. So the, you know, the shelf life doesn't have to be two, three years. You know, it can be just one year, less preservatives, um, that may not always be the case, but that, that was their observation. And they, that's what they do for a living is formulate medical grade skincare. So I feel like with skincare, there's so many, like now, I think in the age of social media words that are like, or ingredients that people are just now discovering, but a lot of people have no idea what they mean, what their use is, like why you would even use them. It's like, we've already been talking about like retinols, vitamin C, there's like hyaluronic acid, there's like neominicide, like all these little like ingredients that people are like oh I need this product but they don't even know that they maybe even actually need it or not or like what they do what if you're gonna like break down just like someone that is kind of lazy doesn't have a lot of time they want just the most basic skincare routine like what that would include and then maybe someone who's like super into it and they really want to like do all the extras what the differences between would be for someone who wants like a basic skincare routine versus like in a more elaborate one. So starting on like that really basic end, like the guy who doesn't want to do anything. If, if I can just get them to wash their face and put on sunscreen, <laughs> all our bachelors wash your face and wear sunscreen, <laughs> including my husband. Thank you. Have you ever seen that yeah. meme though, where it's like guys who use the bar, same bar of soap they wash their balls with. And it's like this smooth <laughs> bun hamburger yep. bun. And then it's like yep. girls with their 12 step skincare routine. And it's like a sesame bagel. I'm yeah. like, why is that so true? I hate Yeah, men. totally. Or like, the bottle and it says like shampoo conditioner yes. body wash yes. motor oil yes, yes. <laughs> and it's like and their skin is just glistening glowing yeah. and then it's like we have our 12-step routine yeah. and we're like oh my god breaking out yeah so yeah that's just good luck i guess but yeah just wash your face put on a sunscreen and you're covered you know that's the bare minimum but if you really actually want to have a routine things that are going to do good things for your skin not just protect it um, sunscreen is number one. And then number two, I'd start using a retinol at nighttime. That would be the, the second best thing I think you can do for your skin. And then the third step would be using uh, an antioxidant serum in the morning. Usually vitamin C is what you're going to find, which we kind of just talked about some favorite brands and stuff. But those things are going to cover, in my opinion, like 90% of what your skin needs to have a solid routine that you can live with for years. And then from there, if you want to get into like being super extra and you want an eye cream and you want a, you know, a peptide moisturizer, you're going to spend a lot more money on those things and you're going to get diminishing returns. So remember, you've already accomplished like 90% of what your skin needs. And now you're buying a $60, you know, moisturizing cream and an $80 eye cream and you only have 10% to go and you're spending more money on one product than you did on your first three. So but an eye cream is a good place, you know, to go to next if you're doing those basics because the eyelid skin is so thin, it's so sensitive. 
So getting a peptide-based eye cream, I'm a big fan of to help firm, tighten, brighten. Um, then, you know, moisturizers with ceramides in it. You can spend a little bit more money on those kinds of things. Um, from there, you know, there's so many other things you can get into depending on specific concerns. Some people like to do facial exercises, gua sha, those types of things. And there's some temporary benefit to them, but I, I don't, I don't do anything like that. Yeah. Recommendations for a eye cream or, um, what was and, the other thing? Also, or moisturizer. Uh, yeah, for eye cream too, for dark circles. Cause I know there's a lot of people like that, that really battle the dark circle in the eye. So if you want something that's heavy with growth factors and peptides, that's where you're going to go back to medical grade skincare because you're going to pay a lot more for it. But they, they're putting in a lot of those active ingredients. They're researching. They're really coming up with the best protocols, in my opinion. And that's going to be companies like, you know, Neocutis, SkinCeuticals, um, SkinMedica. You know, they're going to have very good eye creams. But from an over-the-counter perspective, you can walk in and buy it right now. I think Rock makes a really good oh, eye cream. Oh, that's a good time. I actually um, was using their... Um, I don't know. They're like nighttime wrinkle eye cream. I forget what it's called, but I bought it at Target. Yeah. So, you know, it's, you know, not terribly expensive, but it's not the cheapest one either. But Rock, you know, makes a, a pretty decent eye cream. And then um, I, I actually like the Cetaphil eye cream. Mm. It's, um, That's a good oh, I can't remember the, the full name of it, but it comes in a little tube. It's got an applicator on it and there's does include peptides as well. Oh, so um, I think, you know, Cetaphil is a good one to do on a budget when it comes to an eye cream. If you are trying to convince your partner, significant other who is, you know, let's, let's, let's go with like mid thirties and he's just the guy who cough, wants Jacob. to, yeah, <laughs> cough, cough, and yeah, speak, asking for a friend and you want to get them into it. What are some good tips you have to help kind of ease them into some skincare? So it's important to try to make it easy. You know, don't try to introduce somebody who's not doing much to a 10 step Korean skincare routine. That's a, <laughs> you're losing that battle from day one. Um, but just start with, you know, the basics and, and, and for a guy, try to pick something that is, you know, a little, is, it's not going to be the same product that, that you use. So there's sunscreens that are made and marketed directly to men and they usually, they don't smell, you know, awful. They have a pretty lightweight texture because guys don't wear makeup, you know, by and large. So they don't want something that they can feel on their skin. So there's a couple of companies that really market sunscreen for men. Uh, my favorite is probably Mantle, M-A-N-T-L. I do have a conflict of interest with them as well. Just heads up um, that I, I am on um, a consulting we'll have to agreement link them. with them. We'll, have yeah. a, we'll link them in the bottom because I, I personally want to use that recommendation. So I'll take yeah. it. So I like theirs. Um, I used it for a long time before I, I became a consultant for them. But it's a gel. It's totally clear, totally transparent. And it doesn't cake up in beard. If you're bald, you can rub that all over your head. And then Get Mister, um, MR period, Get Mister is another one that's made and marketed to men. So finding, you know, something like that that's a little bit, you know, just marketed, it feels masculine, you know, yeah, they're yeah. maybe more likely to use it okay. than if it's something that, you know, is pink and flowery. I love even if that. it's a it's good fantastic stuff. So but there's a lot of companies making stuff for men, but stay away from like Axe, you know, Axe <laughs> body wash and stuff like that. Please, men, um, stay away. <laughs> we don't need any more so, guys walking around smelling like Axe body spray no. in this yeah. world. I had um, a bunch of products sent to me from Dr. Squatch, and I like those a lot, actually. They had pretty good scents, and they're, you know, marketed in a 
pretty manly fashion, but they're really good natural ingredients. For the partners, are you thinking like just a, like a face wash, a sunscreen, and like one or two other things? What do you suggest? So if, I mean, if you can get like a retinol lotion, something that's pretty easy to apply. So if you can get a moisturizing retinol lotion so they don't have to do two steps at night, Okay. Uh, and, and that's one of the reasons I like the It Cosmetics uh, one. And it's not necessarily marketed to men, but it is in a lotion and it feels good. It's thick enough. You don't necessarily have to moisturize afterwards. Okay, cool. Okay, so you mentioned retinol at night. What are your thoughts on retinol versus like a retina, retinoid, like retin-A or like what's the generic, the trentinoin? Am I saying that yeah, right? Yeah, trentinoin. Trentinoin. Uh -huh. yeah. What are your thoughts on like that? Because I did get a prescription strength trentinoin because I'm just <laughs> trying to do all the things, but maybe yeah. I'm being a little extra. <laughs> no, and, and that's totally okay. I mean, anybody could go to their dermatologist and ask for a prescription of trentinoin um, if you want to do something that's a little stronger. The general way that we think about it is when you want the benefits of a retinoid, um, the the molecule itself has to get absorbed into your skin and then it has to get inside the cell and then inside the nucleus of the cell, like the very middle part that does all the, all the active stuff. When you use a retinol over the counter, you're putting something on that's not in its active form yet and it actually needs to be converted when it's in the cell before it can make it into the nucleus and be active. So you lose some of the efficacy along those conversion points. So if you want something that's more biologically active that you put it on and you're going to get in general more effect for anti-aging, more effect against acne, then you're going to want to go with a prescription grade, you know, retin-A, tretinoin, um, tazeratine. Those are just going to do more for you in general. They're also going to risk additional irritation and dryness. So that's something you have to balance. Yeah, I know like my aunt, tried it and it just dried her skin out too much and was too irritating but i feel like i have like skin that you could just like burn and it doesn't even like just like i don't have sensitive skin at all so for me it's worked really well because i originally got it for like my mask knee situation on my chin this past year like i mm -hmm. would could not stop breaking out and it's totally cleared that up but then i was like ooh, anti-aging let me slather this all over and mm -hmm. so but then i again it was like one of those things i was seeing in like the TikTok world where I was like, all right, I should ask a professional <laughs> their actual thoughts on it. Just when you're doing anything, just start slow and be patient. You know, don't use a ton of retinol because you want results immediately. You're just going to tear your skin up and it's not going to help. So mm -hmm. just a little bit and just plan to use it consistently for a long time. A dabble do ya, as my nani would always say. <laughs> Love me a nani moment. <laughs> what are some common misconceptions about skincare or maybe like Maybe the things that we miss the most or misinformation about skincare that you see. Yeah, I mean, I think one, the idea that you have to do everything in order to have good skin, that you need to be doing 10 step routine. Um, you know, there's a lot of products that are just unnecessary. They might be nice to use, but most people don't need a toner. Most people don't need an essence. Most people don't need an eye cream. So you don't have to do everything. And, you know, the idea that your skin has to have, you know, no pigment, no texture, no open pores. It's not realistic. That's Photoshop. That's filters. Um, real skin has texture. Real skin has blemishes, has pigmentation. And, you know, we want to go for progress over perfection, as James Welsh would say. Just be patient and know that, you know, things are going to come up. Um, 
you know, I had a pimple on the tip of my nose at my med school graduation. So <laughs> it can happen to anybody. To the derm. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you think those little like uh, hydrocolloid patches work? Like the pimple patches? Oh, that's a good question. We've seen yeah, like I those. Do. I started using them. I just like them because I like gross stuff. Wh- like a couple months ago. Yeah. But now my skin's been clear. I haven't really had to use them since I started that stuff. But those are just fun to see it like absorb all the <laughs> the gunk. Yeah, I do like them. I think they serve a couple of purposes. One, it creates an environment that's very good for wound healing. You know, we use them for wound healing. Um, yeah, just, I never you know, knew. Stuff, oh, that's so. interesting. We use them at the hospital for all sorts of stuff, wound care and like the NICU and everything. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden I saw these patches. I'm like, I could literally, that's, I could just cut a circle out of our duoderm. <laughs> yep, exactly. So, and then the other purpose that they serve is they keep your fingers off of it. Uh, so if you're a picker and me. you're not going to leave that pimple alone, put that hydrocolloid patch on there, the star patch, the zit sticker, whatever it is. Um, let it create that environment to heal. It can draw out some of the oil, but just keep your fingers off of it so you don't Smart. pop. You know, pop it. Any last tips or good tips for um, mask me? If there's if there's someone that's struggling with maybe some whiteheads or some red, you know, just some things kind of going on under the mask. Yeah, what I've seen mostly with mask me is I think it's more like rosacea than it is acne, even though you might get pimples and pustules. So there's a temptation to start throwing a lot of active ingredients on there, start like doubling up on your retinol or using benzoyl peroxide or other things to treat acne that are going to dry the skin out and compromise your barrier more. In general, I think just go really, really gentle if you're getting maskne. Have a gentle hydrating cleanser. Make sure you're moisturizing with something that has ceramides in it to repair that moisture barrier. And then use, you know, I would lean more towards like treatments with things like sulfur, um, there's a there's a few companies out there that you do sulfur spot treatments for acne, but sulfur can also work well for rosacea. And then there's prescriptions, of course, if you do have the chance to get to a dermatologist. But I treat it, you know, more like rosacea and sensitive skin than I do acne. And I see better results with that because it's humid and your friction rubbing. So right. just be very kind to your your moisture barrier if you're dealing with maskne. So we absolutely love obviously we found you via social media. And I'm really curious, you know, you are this amazing dermatologist who who started a TikTok and an Instagram and all these things. What inspired your social media? How did you get into all this? So part of it was, you know, I opened my own practice and I had to market myself in in a way that, you know, in an area that's somewhat competitive for dermatologists. So I wanted to make sure that I had a presence on social media. And then I read, you know, the book by Gary V crushing it. And Mm. he talked about all these different strategies and platforms that you need to be on. And I had a couple of friends who had some success. Um, A guy that I know was featured in that book. And so I I decided to kind of go for it and start putting out content. And after, you know, a few weeks, I got lucky, had a couple of videos go big. and, And then I was pretty hooked after that. Super fun. I just love that when providers have such great knowledge to offer that they're on there creating content and sharing because I think it has helped with the education to the general public. So I love seeing more providers like you I agree. creating content like yeah. that. How do you get your creative like what are what's your creative process like when you're making your videos? So, you know, sometimes I'm just tagged in a video that I can react to and that's, you know, pretty quick. I am a little bit sarcastic and snarky and sometimes I've I put up videos and then kind of felt bad afterwards. (laughs) Keep keep them coming. Maybe that wasn't the nicest thing to say to somebody. I don't mean to be mean. Sounds familiar. (laughs) So I love it. You know, and then sometimes I just 
I, I spend a little bit of time on the app every day, just look, listening to trending sounds and, and watching different trends and trying to think of like, how can I put a dermatology or skincare twist on that uh, and make it fun and interesting? And sometimes it works well and sometimes, you know, it kind of bombs, but um, just, you know, spending time watching what other people are doing and, and trying to tweak it a little bit. Yeah, you never know what's going to hit and what's not. You know, what do you know off the top of your head what your biggest like viral video was? Yeah, what was your viral? Yeah. Yeah, I was talking about it earlier today with uh, the anesthesiologist while I was working. And um, the biggest one was I had a patient who shot himself in the leg with an airsoft gun. Oh. So he had a little plastic BB and it went in his leg and traveled a few inches under the skin. And so... Ouch. I did a video where we numbed him up, made a little incision and, and pulled the BB out. And that did like 20 million views. Wow. wow. Oh my God. Is that like kind of weird when you're actually having something go that viral to just like be like, whoa, this is blowing up. Yeah. 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 It's pretty fun uh, to watch it happen, you know, to post it and then come back 15 minutes later and you're like, holy cow, it already did 3 million views. That was one I knew was going to do amazing just because it was so different. But, um, you know, sometimes you'll put a lot of work into something and it's like, yeah, yeah, we're not going to show this to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> the algorithm gods are like, not, not today, today. <laughs> not for not you. Today. We do not approve. <laughs> how do you, I mean, how do you battle the misinformation? Because I feel like that's a thing too on TikTok, right? And social media is like, you're, you're battling a lot of that, of the things that go viral that we shouldn't be doing like what's your approach to this or like how do you think about it yeah in general i try not to worry about things i don't have a lot of control over i mean i can't control it i, I don't want to spend you know time working myself up about it i do try to react and try to put information out there and sometimes my responses are well received a lot of people see them and sometimes they don't um and so i guess you know to be a little bit cynical about it if some viral trend takes off and people start doing it and it's bad for their skin. It's just going to increase my business. So it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Unpopular opinion. It might work for you. I love that. Yeah. That's great. Sometimes people have so, to learn the hard way. Yeah, you know. I, I probably should just do a whole series on TikTok of like my alter ego unethical dermatologist. Oh my gosh, so. yes. That would be an excellent little. Uh... So fellow podcaster. Yeah. Talk to us about that. I mean, yeah. obviously, we love podcasting. We have you here today, but let's yeah, so talk let's, about yeah. yours. Yeah, Between Two Derms. Yeah, so I, I started a podcast called Between Two Derms, and we had a contest in my practice to name it. I didn't know what to name it, and uh, somebody came up with that. It's a play on words for Between Two Ferns. Uh, <laughs> and um, so, you know, I try to get on somebody else who has some relation to the skincare industry, whether it's another dermatologist, an esthetician, an influencer, and just talk about anything related to the health of your skin, hair and nails, cover trends and um, battle misinformation. And so it's, um, you know, I'm not on a really regular release schedule because my day job is pretty demanding, but um, I try to put out good information there. And it's been, you know, a fun way to to share information in a medium. Some people are just their podcast listeners. That's the way they get their information. And I want to reach those people. Yeah, we love the yeah. podcast community. I feel like this is such a great way. I'm, I listened to a couple of your episodes. What was the one with Dr. Um, I forget his name. It was more recent that you just did. You guys did. He's a TikToker and he's. Yeah, like Manib Shah or yeah, Manib, Chris Tomasian. Manib. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was a really good one. I don't know. I just, I love your take on things and like the open conversations you have. It's a really, really great episode. We'll link that in the bio as well for everybody. Awesome. Thank you. Great, great podcast to, for, and resource for everybody. Yeah, I appreciate that. What's the best piece of advice you've received? I mean, there's a couple things that I think have been, you know, somewhat life-changing for me. Uh, one, when I was thinking about medical school is, is somebody said, well, you're going to be 34 someday anyway, you know? Oh, wow. wow. I love that. Get on and it. And I was like, you know, that's now. true. You know, I'm sitting here at, at 21 years old thinking, you know, that's such a long road. And they're like, well, you're going to be 34 someday anyway. You could be a 34-year-old doctor or you could be a 34-year-old garbage man. Not to say anything negative about garbage man. I'm yeah. incredibly appreciative of their work and it's an important job, but that wasn't the job I wanted to pursue. Mm-hmm. But you're... The time is going to pass anyway, so you might as well pursue your passion with it. Love that. Um, Here for so that message. So that was just, you know, kind of one thing. And then, um, you know, just the idea in general of trying not to worry about things you don't have control over, that improved my life quite a bit. Yeah, I think that's hard to do nowadays. Yeah. It's that's a good... I'm trying to still Absolutely. get a grasp on mm-hmm. my control mm-hmm. freak tendencies. Mm-hmm. Do you have any good resources for our audience, like a podcast and Netflix or something that you really enjoy or someone our, our audience can take away some value from? So there's, you know, my favorite podcast to listen to is probably called The Drive and it's by Peter Atia, and he is a um, physician who does longevity medicine and does a deep dive into, you know, how to live healthier and live longer. And from a very scientific standpoint, not a lot of you know, woo or alternative medicine, but just like really solid stuff. So that's one of my favorite podcasts to listen to um, that I think is helpful. You know, of course, I'd love to drive people to some of my other education platforms on YouTube, on Instagram, and of course on TikTok, where every social media handle I have is 208 Skin Doc. Um, and, and there's a lot of other amazing dermatologists and amazing influencers and amazing educators like yourselves. And so just there's, you know, plenty to go around. I love that, you know, the people that I've met through social media have a really collaborative approach and we're here to build each other up. So, um, yeah, get lots of opinions and do research and there's a lot of great places to go for that. Yay. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank today. you so much, Dr. Portola. You are, you're so fun. I you're know. such a natural well, thank you. behind the mic. Oh my gosh. So it's I fun. It. I like it. So, well, thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure and Thank you so. so much for coming on today. Yes, thank you. That was amazing. Ah, oh my gosh. I, I don't even know where to start. I literally want to go wash my face right now. <laughs> so that was so good. And it's just confirmed the fact that like I'm young enough that microneedling will be still a good Absolutely. tool in my life. Yeah. I just And need to break down like money. lasers, money, where yes. do you invest your money. Okay, I kinda wanna do a laser. Obviously not the like aggressive burn your face off because <laughs> I'm still young enough, but I'm like, feel like, okay, hear me out. If mm-hmm. I do the like lesser, not, not as invasive lasers now, mm-hmm. I won't ever need to do the aggressive blast your face off one when I'm older. Yeah, right. Probably. I like a little, <laughs> I mean, I like the maintenance moment of doing like a facial microneedling. I, I haven't done PRP yet. I, need I haven't PRP. done PRP, but it's my only goal if I can buy myself one gift this year it would be like a PRP session. yeah I think that would be great or like every other month doing like a micro needling session so you guys we have linked all of the recommendations down below for you in the show notes so if you guys are interested in checking them out definitely do make sure you guys are following us on our insta that's at c-e-l-l-f-i-e underscore podcast check out the link in the bio that's where all the goods for you guys are and honestly we're getting to that time 
where you got to start putting in your vacation requests for 2022. So are you coming to Bali with us or not? Let's go. Oh, my God. We're so If you were on the fence, now's the time to jump on it because we honestly only have a few spots left. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I know, at least for us in our workspace, they're starting to get those 2022 vacation requests ready. So drink in the hand, feed in the sand, you guys. April 2022. Let's go. I mean, I don't know what's better than this moment for us. Nothing. So much fun. Nothing. We cannot wait. We've had the most amazing people sign up. We just we're gonna have a great group. Yes, the group of people already signed up. So fun. Ah, I'm so excited. You're gonna have so much FOMO (laughs) if you don't go with us, literally. Sign up, sign up, and make sure you guys rate and review. And actually, Sam and I want to take a minute just to say so many thanks to all of you guys who have sent in reviews. And not only that, your DMs and then converted them to reviews. We love you guys. Okay. I was like on the verge of a mental breakdown this last couple of weeks. I just, it's been a lot of just things happening in personal life and everything. And then to get some of the DMs we've gotten just thanking us have meant more to us than you could even know so honestly from the bottom of our hearts thank you so much and we love you and your support the timing sometimes on some of the dms that you guys send especially it's funny because we'll get messages on on certain episodes that we've dropped like I don't know, months ago, and you guys will just hear it. And it's just these messages we get just comes at the right time for us. It's crazy. Really genuinely want to say thank you to all of you. And we can't wait to meet you one day. All of you guys, hopefully it's at Bali. So... Um, and then make sure you guys rate and review. And when you do, you guys all know you're going to get a swag bag. Free stickers, free pins, mm-hmm. badge reels, all the cool stuff. All the so things. make sure you leave your Instagram handle so we can track you down, find you, get your address and send you out your free swag bag. Absolutely. And make sure you're following us on our Insta. That's at Nurse Tori. And at Hey Samantha with two A's. And we keep saying it, but honestly, there really is a spicy, spicy, uh, oh, this one's a very sexy little moment of bonus episode this week that we thought would be fun to talk about. Get so ready. We're excited. Saddle up, baby. Woo-hoo. See Let's you next go. week. Or see you Friday. All right. Bye. Bye.